Hello there, Talking Fight fans around the world. Thank you for joining me once again here on uh, Boxing News Headlines. Um, let's start off with a quick little item from Talking Fight. Uh, we've made an agreement with Ringside Network Television. Uh, guys down in Philadelphia, Alex uh, Hamer, etc. cetera. Uh, we're going to uh, now expand the amount of content uh, that we're currently supplying their network to include uh, fights out of Africa uh, based on our deal that we announced last week with respect to Francois Boetta and his company, White Buffalo. So we look forward to uh, showing all boxing fans around the world through our various platforms uh, what kind of exciting fights are happening in Africa these days uh, from South Africa to West Africa, East Africa, even North Africa. And hopefully we'll uh, move into the Middle East as well. All right, fight fans, let's get on to... Uh, you know, what seems to be dominating still uh, the headlines. Uh, Jamel Charlo couldn't top Canelo, said Mike Coppinger of ESPN, but still has meaning, meaningful fights ahead. Jamel Charlo was ringside at the MGM Grand uh, Garden Arena in November 2021 when Canelo faced Caleb Plant, and that was for the Undisputed Super Middleweight Championship, as you might recall. But during the fight, which Canelo won, Charlo turned to his twin brother, Jamal, and said, I can beat Canelo. Turns out it's one thing to say it. It's quite another to actually do it. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's have a quick flash forward uh, ahead of his uh, good, really good article here. He goes, uh, so let's have a quick look and see who he wants to fight next. Um Following Charlo's lackluster performance on Saturday, pound for pound king Terence Crawford said, uh, "You know, as a, you, know, you went out sad, okay? Yeah, I, I, I told you all this yesterday, so I'm not going to repeat uh, what Terence Crawford had to say. Uh, as Coppinger says, all is not lost for Charlo. He didn't seem to take much damage outside the seventh round knockdown, courtesy of a Canelo overhand right, and should be an improved fighter going forward after sharing the ring for 12 rounds with Alvarez." So the other meaningful fights in the future, because uh, he remains top guy at 154. Charles said he only rehydrated at around 172, 173 pounds on fight night, and boxers routinely gain 10 to 15 pounds overnight. He said, I'm going back down to 154, so that's going to be major. Charles said, I can do it. I can make the weight easy. I'm used to moving around much lighter. However, he's no longer the undisputed junior middleweight champion. Charles still hosts WBA, WBC, and IBF titles. But once the bell rang on Saturday, the WBO stripped Charlo and elevated Australian charge Tim Sayu from interim champion to full champion. Tim is the WBO junior middleweight champion. WBO president Francisco uh, Vacral told ESPN uh, Tim Sayu uh, with Brian Mendoza is for the title. Jermel Charlo was notified when we posted the resolution uh, back on August the 3rd. So that resolution indicated that once Charlo got into the ring to face Canelo, instead of his mandatory challenger, Tim Sayu, Charlo would be stripped of the belt, and Sayu would be automatically elevated from interim champ to full champion status. Um, so it's Sayu. I'm trying to get to the, uh, the juice, the, the meat of this. Where was it? Um, Charlo was contending with serious ring rust, uh, says uh, Coppinger, 16 months off. His most recent fight was in May 2022, an impressive 10th round knockout of Castano. Beginning with uh, 2020, though, Charlo has fought only once a year. Just during that same span, Alvarez competed seven times. Uh, three top fighters recently suffered defeats after long layoffs. Josh Taylor, 16 months. Um, 
against Tiafoe Lumba Lopez, Stephen Fulton versus Nayana Inouye, and Errol Spence after a 15-month layoff uh, uh, against Crawford. So if Charlo can compete at least twice in 2024 and return to winning ways at 154 pounds against a fighter like Tim Tayu, he could still obtain a pound-for-pound pound recognition he so desperately seeks. Said Charlo, I think I'm the best fighter in the world. I still think that right now. Hmm. Uh, I have a different opinion. Um, and so does Jake Paul, for that matter. Jake Paul chimed in on all of this because he's been publicly campaigning for showdown with boxing's former pound-for-pound pound king for the past part of two years. But talking about Canelo here. Uh, Four-weight champ Canelo recently revealed he doesn't respect the former Disney actor as a fighter, but he's not opposed to sharing the ring with him. Uh, I, I think it's I think it's good because other people who never watch boxing, they don't know anything about boxing, uh, they want to watch Jake Paul because he brings fans from other worlds, not boxing fans, and that's good because everyone enjoys it. What they do, I think they do for business, and you need to respect that. Paul hasn't uh, set foot inside the ring, though, since his August showdown with UFC legend Nate Diaz, whom he defeated via unanimous decision. So let's see what happens on the Jake Paul front. Always entertaining to watch uh, his uh, commentary. Now, speaking of uh, daring to be great, uh, there are some, you know, some uh, some fights of, of, of late uh, where we've seen some guys get walloped. Um, but uh, as this particular article goes, for someone on BoxingNewsOnline.net, by the way, as for someone like Jermel Charlo, who dared to be great on Saturday against Saul Alvarez, uh, there will be less of a rebuilding process, one presume, for although he was cleared out of his depth in the presence of Alvarez in Las Vegas, the result and performance has much to do with size issue as anything else, which, for a fighter looking to reclaim confidence from the debris of a humbling defeat, is a gift of sorts, an excuse with a pretty bow. That doesn't mean Charlo, the world super welterweight champion, won't have been dented by what happened against Alvarez. He will have been, but he can explain it away, if just to himself, and start again back at his more natural weight. Indeed, the only ones who might need an explanation are the ones who paid to watch Alvarez versus <laughs> Alvarez versus Charlo and expected something other than what it was. Um, for for it. For it was these people, each of whom fell hook, line, sinker for the undisputed versus undisputed spiel, who were for 10 weeks duped by Charlo's talk of daring to be great and the far-fetched notion that this was anything other than a quick cash grab on the part of the American, not unlike when Kel Brook agreed to jump from welterweight to middleweight to fight Triple G over in London. This was merely another example of a fighter having a go, but in the cold day of light, doing no more than asking Peter Play to watch a fight they knew had very little chance of actually winning. In such moments, boxing becomes a funny old sport, even more so than usual, because while daring to be great sounds like an ignorant eye and ear, a positive, commendable ma mantra, it is in reality, unlike many things in boxing, instead often a cynical marketing tool and slogan used to conceal what is really going on. In other words, when said by a boxer, daring to be great tends to, in fact, mean this. Please pay me to watch in a fight. I know I can't win. Or, if not that, perhaps this. I will try, obviously, but it's a dare rather than a proper fight. So don't judge me too harshly when I lose. When said by a promoter, meanwhile, daring to be great, invariably translates as this. The money's too good to turn down, so we'll throw them in and, and see how they get on. Or, if not that, perhaps this. What's the worst that can happen? Moving on. Following the news that Billy Joe Saunders is uh, to make a welcome return to the ring, he has now revealed which promoter he'll have helping him get back into the world title picture. 
For many, the 30-year-old Saunders is one of Britain's biggest talents, having lifted world honors in the middleweight and super middleweight divisions. It could be a well-decorated career if ever to hang up his gloves now. It's been uh, two and a half years since he lost uh, out uh, to Saul Canal Alvarez uh, in a super middleweight unification fight in Texas. Saunders did well in the early rounds, keeping Canelo at range and using his fancy footwork to stay out of trouble until Canelo eventually caught him with a huge uppercut that broke his orbital bone and led Saunders to stay on his stool after the eighth round. In an interview, Saunders said he would be back in December at super middleweight. I have come back to boxing because I can't keep thinking about could have, would have, should have. I know it's been two and a half years now, but I've been boxing mentally since I was five years old, so I needed that break so much. He then revealed he would be promoting him in his final fights and as someone he's worked with before. I haven't got an opponent yet, but I'm going to go back with Eddie Hearn and, and uh, sort it out. He then admitted he, he wouldn't be crashing the weight in a rush and only has a couple of fights left. I want to go slowly, bring it down, have a little run out, get the ball rolling, pick an opponent, and then look for the biggest fights Eddie can bring to me. I only want three or four fights. So with a couple of uh, matchroom cards moved for uh, December, there are opportunities for Saunders, and he should be able to get himself in shape by t that time. Good for you, Brits. All right. Uh, according to Craig Daly over at BoxingNews24.com, promoter Oscar De La Hoya had a few things to say about the boxing industry. He didn't like what he saw last Saturday night with Canelo easily beating a frightened-looking Jermel Charlo. Uh, recruited by the Mexican star from the 154-pound division in a showcase fight at the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. De La Hoya says he wants the promoter to get together to discuss putting together more super fights to keep boxing from dying out completely, which, given the things are going, is rapidly occurring. Hmm. It's pretty much asking for the impossible uh, to expect promoters to put their money-making fighters in against opposition that could beat them because they were left with guys that would be tarnished. Oscar is part of the problem as well. Matching his fighters, Ryan Garcia, Jaime Munguia, Gilberto Ramirez, against a lot of stiffs. Ryan is fighting a no-name guy, 135-pounder, Oscar Duarte next in December instead of a top contender from the 140-pound division where he currently fights. This is just another one of the many examples of promoters putting together weak fights that do little uh, to create interest in boxing. If we want boxing to survive, if we want boxing to thrive, we need super fights like all the time, said De La Hoya. Fighters must fight each other. We have to come together. Promoters, Eddie Hearn, Al Heyman, Bob Arum, whoever's out there, let's come together. Canel Charlo, super boring. Jermel just showed up for the paycheck. Many of the promoters and fighters are only interested in looking for cash-out fights, and in between them, they only take it easy. Sure thing, matches that are no threat to their ability to keep making money. So, for example, Canelo is taking on soft opposition like Jamel Charlo and John Ryder. Instead of facing the top guys in his weight class at 168, David Benavidez and David Morrell Jr. or Dimitri Bivol, who has volunteered to come down to super middleweight for the rematch. With Canelo, he's expected to continue to cherry-pick opposition, avoiding Benavidez, Morrell, and other top fighters at 168. For Canelo's next fight, the two leading candidates are these guys, Terrence Crawford, 147-pounder, and Jamal Charlo, 160-pound fighter, who hasn't fought in two and a half years and is arguably washed up. Canelo is obviously 
uh, to continue to take easy fights while avoiding the Sharks at 168 because it's safe to say that if Alvarez fought the guys he should be fighting, Benavidez, Morel, Beville, he'd lose to all of them and his perch as the face of boxing would be finished. Moreover, the massive easy money flowing into Canel's hands with mismatches would disappear. Ouch. Alrighty, uh, let's have a quick look at what's happening over in uh, South Africa. Other than what I announced earlier with respect to our deal, Talk and Fights deal uh, with uh, Fr uh, Francois Boeta and his crew over at White Buffalo. Anyway, Jackson M3 Van Tonder Chalke retained the South African flyweight title for the fifth time when he outpointed Thembelina Noshke over 12 rounds at the East London International Conference Center in East London on Sunday afternoon, and in doing so, made the South African Championship belt his own property. The 38-year-old Chalke, 23-2-2, by the way, 19 knockouts, proved that you never give up, and with dedication and superb fitness at all times, after losing his first crack of the South African flyweight title against Laudail Setiafa, in April 2013, and then winning the South African title in his second attempt in 2019. On Sunday, coming into the ring in superb condition, he controlled the fight from the opening bell against the 34-year-old uh, Nick Chue, 13-9, seven knockouts, his mandatory challenger. Using his height and reach advantages, Chalke was in control against the gutsy challenger, who scored a knockdown against a champion who claimed that he was hit behind the ear, however. Chalke went into the ring without his longtime trainer, Damien Durante, who was in Germany with the former WBC cruiserweight champion, Ilonga Makuba, uh, preparing for his fight against Noel McCallion on Saturday at Casino Miami, Jialai uh, in Miami, Florida. So good news from around the world. Let's continue the good news. Let's see what's happening here. Starting off this, uh, this uh, particular article unboxing247.com las vegas is the boxing capital of the world and this saturday it's hosting a good one if you thought drama only unfolded inside the ring think again gilberto zurdo ramirez learned the hard way uh, you might recall ramirez had a minor problem all right a significant problem back in march he was all set for showdown uh, with gay rosado but had a little disagreement with the scales coming in overweight naturally the fight was called off and boy did his reputation take a dive but like a true boxer, Ramirez is bouncing back. This weekend, he's stepping into the ring with Joe Smith Jr. in the venue, the spectacular Chelsea inside the Cosmopolitan, and that will be shown live on the zone. Ramirez confessed, the whole Rosado episode, not my proudest moment. First time missing weight, and it hurt. My fans, my crew, everyone waiting for the fight, I owe them an apology. But Ramirez isn't one to dwell on his past flubs. He's channel channeling that energy, setting his sights on the present and the future. It's all about the comeback, right? Mistakes were made, but I've learned, and I'm here to prove it, he declared. Good for him. Uh, another name, uh, sorry about that, another name we haven't seen in a while, um, Jamel Herring. He's returned to the ring November 7th, Broadway Boxing, presented by DeBella Entertainment, returns to the Edison Ballroom in New York City on Tuesday, November 7th for Heroes on the Hudson to support the veterans of the United States Armed Forces. The evening will kick off with five amateur bouts, each featuring an NYPD officer or military veteran, and will conclude with four world-class professional bouts. In the main event, former WBO junior lightweight world champ and U.S. Marine, Jamel Herring, 23-4, 11 knockouts, returns to the ring for the first time in over a year to begin his quest for a second world title versus the unbeaten Nick Molina, 13-0, five knockouts. 
Um, I thought I could stay away, but I miss the excitement and action of a good fight. And of course, I miss the fans, said Herring. But what's really driving me is the opportunity to fight on Veterans Day week to honor the men and women I served with. This event is for a great charitable cause, and my focus is to become a world champion yet again. I can't wait to step back into the ring and give it my all. All right, well said. Good stuff. Now, speaking of giving it his all, Deontay Wilder may never fight again if his TV career takes off after the former heavyweight champion joined a reality show. Wilder has proven his boxing career is firmly on the back burner by signing up for a series in the United States. The former WBC champ will be a cast member on Series 2 of Peacock's The Traitors, presented by actor Alan Cummings of X-Men fame. Wilder has been consistently linked to a return to boxing against Andy Ruiz Jr. and Anthony Joshua. However, no discussions ever reached a series stage. And now we know why. Wilder signed up to feature alongside a host of other celebrities after season one of the series proved a success. Good for him. Um, ooh, interesting. Over on boxing, BoxingSocial.com, we see that fans would be forgiven for not holding their breath to see a Tyson Fury-Alexander Usyk fight, even despite a recent announcement that, is re that has been signed. That's because it was promised almost 12 months ago before negotiations turned public and things fell apart rather bitterly. Now, both sides say they have put pen to paper for a world title fight, which will crown the heavyweight division's first undisputed champion since Lennox Lewis. Still, there are sections of the boxing world that have doubts. Uh, Two-time world champion Sean Porter had this to say. Nah, it ain't happening. That fight is not happening. I mean, it's a fight that I'd like to see. I just believe that Tyson fought, Tyson Fury has fought his way into being a superstar. And with that status, he's in a position where he can pick who he wants to fight. I don't think there's a chance in the world that he's going to pick fighting Alexander Usyk. He's not out now to fight guys and claim supremacy as an elite heavyweight in the world and almost ever. I think that's established. I think he's on superstar fights. That fight with Francis Nagano, that's not a boxing fight. It's a world fight. I think that even though this fight has been announced and all that kind of stuff, we do not see them touch gloves in the center of the ring and box. Wow. All right. And let's see what Eddie Hearn has to say about all this. Can't go uh, a show without saying something about Eddie Hearn. Eddie Hearn claimed that there's a clause in Tyson Fury's contract with Alexander Usyk that could guarantee a double header between them. Fury is set to return on October 28th in a crossover clash against Francis Nagano in Saudi Arabia, as we all know. But before the two heavyweight stars collide, the Gypsy King announced he had signed a deal to face Usyk after. According to rival promoter Hearn, the deal includes a rematch clause that means the two will, will fight twice. And he said, I've heard that there's a rematch clause, whatever happens. The title fight would offer the chance to crown the division's first ever four-belt undisputed champion. But first, Fury must avoid an unthinkable and career-threatening defeat to boxing debutante Nagano. Fury told uh, TNT Sports, he said, he's about six foot five inch tall. He's about 270 pounds. He's about 18, 19 stone, a dynamite puncher with both hands. He's recorded in the Guinness Book of Records as the hardest puncher to have ever punched anything. So there is that risk. The biggest risk of all is fighting an MMA fighter, and I'm in the world heavyweight champion, so what happens if he beats me? Ridiculed. <laughs> wow. It would be like getting beat by Liverpool for Manchester United 7-0, wouldn't it? How do you come back from that? 
Nagano was less than impressed after Fury announced his fight with Usyk before their Saudi showdown. He tweeted, I don't know what the minimum medical suspension in boxing, but I really don't understand how Tyson can fight in December after what's going to happen <laughs> in October. <laughs> it just gets better. All right, uh, boxing fans, thanks for joining me. Appreciate it very much. Uh, remember to like, share, subscribe, hit that notification bell, and we'll see you later on at 4 p.m. Eastern time when I join Mike Orr on his show, Knuckle Up. Bye-bye.